You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host as always, Stephen Carr. If you are a college football fan, we have got you covered here at the Locked On Podcast Network. Tune in to your favorite Power 5 conference show on Thursday, September 26th and Friday, September 27th. Search Locked On ACC, Big 10, Big 12, Pac-12, and SEC on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Today is Monday, August 30th, and we are now 71 days away from Gonzaga's season opener against Dixie State, which was finally made official on Friday afternoon. The number 71 in our countdown is not fun whatsoever, but it's still significant, and I never said these all had to be uplifting. Do the scores 71 to 65 and 79 to 71 ring a bell to anybody? I'm sure 71 to 65 is engraved into a lot of people's heads. That, of course, is the final score of the 2017 National Championship game when North Carolina took down Gonzaga. The 79-71 score is senior night of that same season when BYU shocked Gonzaga. They finished that year 37-2, and and both of those two losses included the number 71. They lost their first ever national title game 71-65, to and they lost to BYU on senior night 79-71. to so there you go, a pretty depressing number to start off the week. I promise the rest of the week will be better, including tomorrow when we get to the number 70, exactly 10 weeks away from the start of college basketball season. Today on the show, we are looking back on the 2020 Gonzaga Bulldogs, who picked up yet another 30-win season despite an just an absolutely massive roster turnover. And then, of course, the pandemic hit, and several Gonzaga careers ended without a chance at a Final Four. We'll also continue our Path to Playing Time series with some words on Kylie Griffin, who is looking to step foot on the court for the first time in her Gonzaga career. Before we get to all that, a fall sports recap from around the weekend. And let's start with the good stuff. Gonzaga women's soccer. They got shut out last Thursday against Purdue, and they were clearly pretty upset about that because they took it out on Portland State on Sunday afternoon. They beat Portland State 7 to nothing Sunday afternoon. Marissa Gonzalez scored her third goal of the season. That's a tied for the team lead with Maddie Kemp, who scored two goals for Gonzaga in this game. Gonzaga scored twice in 30 seconds right before halftime, and then they scored three goals in three minutes, um, basically right out of halftime. So they scored five goals essentially in under 15 minutes to give themselves a 7-0 victory over Portland State. So the Gonzaga women, now 3-1 and one on the season, they'll return home this week. They'll face Hawaii Thursday night, and then they'll face Montana on Sunday afternoon. And then on the men's side of things, I was at Luger Field last night working this game, and it was an absolutely fantastic environment. It's freshman orientation weekend at Gonzaga, and they the, the students absolutely showed out for the men's soccer team. 1,300 uh, people in attendance for this game, and it was tied at halftime. They were facing Bowling Green, and Bowling Green held possession for most of the first half, but Gonzaga kept them off the scoreboard. Bowling Green scored in the first two minutes of the first, or the second half, I should say, to take a one nothing lead. But Demetrius Kigea, again, just like he did in the first game of the season, tied the game in the 60th minute for Gonzaga, tied it up one to one, and the game went to overtime. 
Gonzaga in their first game against UNLV on Thursday night lost in the final five minutes of regulation. On Sunday, they lost three minutes into overtime. Two really tough losses for the Gonzaga men's soccer team to start their season. But Bowling Green is the reigning MAC champions, and they returned like 12 letter winners from last season. So it's a really, really good Bowling Green team that Gonzaga competed with all the way down to the wire. So a good sign for Gonzaga. Like I've said before on this show, they were picked to finish last in the WCC this year, and they're looking to prove a lot of people wrong. And being able to hang with the uh, reigning MAC champions is a good sign there. Gonzaga women's volleyball started their season in Mississippi State this past weekend, and they went 1-2 and two in their Stark Vegas Classic. They won their first game of the year against Southeastern Louisiana, three sets to two. They took the first two sets, dropped the next two before regrouping and taking the third set, 15-12. to 12. And they were up against Mississippi State on their home floor, uh, 23-19 in the first set at Mississippi State in the in the second game on Friday afternoon. But Mississippi State rallied back to take the first set, 26-24, and then they ended up sweeping Gonzaga in straight sets. They played again on Saturday morning. Mississippi State had a little bit easier time uh, sweeping Gonzaga in that one. So Gonzaga loses twice to Mississippi State, gets swept in both of those matchups, but they take a game from Southeastern Louisiana, so they start their season 1-2. and two. They played these games without one of their all-conference players in Alyssa Hughes, but the two conference players that did play were fantastic and led the team. McKenna Marshall, who's the transfer from San Francisco, led the team in kills with 34 kills over three games, and then Kennedy Croft, a returning all-league performer, had 26 kills in those three games. So Gonzaga starts the year one and two. They'll be home this weekend for a four-team round-robin Gonzaga Invitational Tournament. They'll face Seattle, Air Force, and Oklahoma Friday, Saturday, Sunday of this coming weekend. And then one piece of news on the men's basketball front, if you missed it, they are facing North Alabama on December 28th. It'll be their last uh, non-conference game before they take on San Diego to start WCC action on December 30th. North Alabama, this will be their fourth year in Division One. In their first year of Division One, back in the 18-19 season, they actually played Gonzaga. So this will be the second time that these two teams have played. Gonzaga went up 48-14 to at halftime of that game. All five Gonzaga starters finished in double figures in that game. Gonzaga won the game 96-51. to North Alabama this past season went all the way to the A-Sun Championship game before falling to Liberty. So that game's going to be December 28th. Gonzaga still has, I believe, if they want, two more dates that they can fill uh, for, in their non-conference schedule. All right, that's enough for the news and notes. Coming up, we reminisce on the 2020 Gonzaga Bulldogs, who entered the season with massive question marks. And by the end of the season, the only question mark remaining is, what if the tournament was actually played? Before we talk about this season, I want to get real for a second. There are a few things in life that just aren't fun to talk about. One of them is excessive sweating. You know when you're sweating through your shirts for no reason? It's embarrassing, right? I know this isn't life and death. There are much worse problems in the world right now. But let's be honest. In the moment, it does feel like a big deal. Nobody likes to pit out during an important speech or an interview or, God forbid, a first date. I'd much rather not worry about it, and now you don't have to. Introducing Sweatblock Antiperspirant Wipes. Sweatblock is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. They are doctor-recommended and doctor-created right here in the United States. You simply apply it at night before bedtime, you go to bed, the next morning you wake up, you wash, you go about your day without worrying about sweat, guaranteed. If sweat block doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. No more pitting out, 
No more picking shirts based on which will hide the sweat best. If you or someone you love is dealing with this, you have to check out Sweatblock. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code LOCKEDON or at Amazon and CVS. Okay, let's get to it. The 2020 Gonzaga Bulldogs. And they entered the season with a ton of question marks because there was just an insane roster turnover. Rui Achimura, Brandon Clark, Zach Norvell, surprisingly, Josh Perkins, Geno Crandall, Jeremy Jones, all of those guys gone. Greg Foster transfers after one season. Brock Reve uh, was supposed to be part of the freshman class. He uh, leaves school before uh, the tip-off of the first game. So they lose like eight players and they have to figure out how they're going to manage this roster. Luckily, they get a freshman class that consists of Drew Timmy and Anton Watson, and both of those guys were able to play right away. They also get Killian Tilly back for his senior season, which is huge. Killian Tilly should have been gone after his sophomore year if he was healthy, but unfortunately injuries kept him at Gonzaga to his senior season. So at least you get a Keystone player in Killian Tilly, and then you've got uh, Corey Kispert, who's ready to take on a much larger role as a junior. And you know, just based on watching Philip Petrushev as a freshman, that he's ready to break out as a sophomore. So that's basically, you know, three players that you can rely on. What else do they have, especially at the guard spots? Well, they're going to go out and they get Admon Gilder. They go out and they get Ryan Woolridge. But Ryan Woolridge was basically from North Texas, and nobody really knew how he would transfer and play at one of the best schools in the country. Turns out he was fantastic. Really one of the best grad transfers that Gonzaga has had over the last several seasons. So let's get into this thing. They started the year eighth in the country, and they continued to be in the top 10 the entire season. And if you told Mark Few that that was going to happen before the season started, he would have told you absolutely no way. He wasn't sure how good or if this team was going to be good at all coming into the season because there were so many question marks. They start the year 3-0, and and their first, I guess, real test would have been a true road game at Texas A&M, which was a, uh, a revenge game, a homecoming, whatever you want to call it, for Admon Gilder, who came over from Texas A&M. Admon Gilder in that game led Gonzaga with 16 points and 7 rebounds. Gonzaga smacked the Aggies 79-49. to with Zach Norvell's surprising departure, with Brock Reve no longer in the program, with Greg Foster no longer in the program, Gonzaga really had no choice but to throw Joel Ayayi into the fire and see if he was good enough to play. And this was one of the first games where we saw Joel Ayayi break out and be like, oh, this kid's got something. He had eight points, seven rebounds, six assists, two steals, and a block. And if that doesn't describe Joel Ayayi, I don't know what does. He played 23 minutes off the bench in that game. Eventually, Joel Ayayi takes over a starting role, and Admon Gilder comes off the bench. But that comes later in the season. For now, they start 7-0, and they're in the Bahamas for the Battle for Atlantis tournament, and they play number 11 Oregon. It's a matchup of top 12 teams. Oregon ranked number 11, Gonzaga ranked number 8 at the time. A battle, really, back and forth the entire game. Peyton Pritchard was held in check by Gonzaga, one of the few schools who was able to do that all year. Uh, he was 7 for 23, and Chris Duarte was 5 for 16. Uh, and you'll take those efficiency numbers from those two incredibly talented players. Philip Petrushev in that game was fantastic. 22 points and 15 rebounds. Gonzaga holds off Oregon in overtime, 73-72. to 72. Corey Kispert with 17 points. Joel Yai, 13 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, and a block. 
coming off the bench. Just a typical night for Joel. Unfortunately, the day before in their first round game of that tournament is when Anton Watson went down with a shoulder injury. So they placed Watson with Killian Tilly, who sat out the first game of that tournament because they didn't want him to play three games in three days. And Killian Tilly was really the only player who played well against Michigan in that championship game. Gonzaga held to just 40% from the field. Michigan kind of bullied them around um, that entire game. John Teske was fantastic. Isaiah Livers was great. Xavier Simpson had 13 points and 13 assists. Gonzaga actually cut the game down to, I want to say, two possessions, and they had a three that would have cut the lead to one or would have tied it. I don't remember, but it would have given them a whole bunch of momentum. They couldn't hit it. Michigan ends up uh, pulling away. They win 82-64. to So Gonzaga drops to 8-1 and one on the season. That's the last game they lose until February. They rattle off 19 straight victories, including big wins at Washington and at Arizona in games that they pretty much controlled throughout. In that Washington game against that 2-3 zone, all five starters finished in double figures in that game. By that point of the year, Joel Yai had moved into the starting lineup, and he hit an absolutely huge three in the final two minutes of that game from the right wing. Petrushev had 17, Woolridge 16, Kispert 15, Tilly 15, Joel Yai 12, all five starters in double figures. The next weekend, they go to Arizona. Arizona's ranked 15th at the time. Gonzaga ranked number six. And Arizona was up for much of the first half. Uh, Gonzaga ends up taking a one-point lead into halftime, and then they go on a 12-0 run early in the second half to get some breathing room. They end up going up by 15 with about five minutes left. And then Arizona goes on like a 15-0 run or something ridiculous in the final two minutes uh, to cut the lead uh, down to, I think at one point it got down to two. Gonzaga kept turning the ball over, missing free throws. And the game was way closer than it should have been uh, at the end of that thing. But Gonzaga was able to hold on 84-80. to Corey Kispert at 18. Petrushev was 16. Joel Ayayi, 15 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists, and a steal. Admon Gilder with 13 points and 7 rebounds off the bench. And then four days later, they come home and they face North Carolina. North Carolina comes to the kennel for the first time in program history. Unfortunately... This was a bad North Carolina team. It was a team that missed the NCAA tournament altogether. If the tournament were to be played that year, they went 14-19 and overall. And Gonzaga had no problem scoring a bunch of points on them. They put up 94 points in that game. Corey Kispert, 10 of 12 from the field, scored 26 points. Petrushev with 20. Woolridge and Ayayi with 11 each. Ayayi, 11 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, 3 steals. It's crazy how consistent Joel Ayayi was throughout his uh, last two years at Gonzaga. So Gonzaga wins that game. They won four in a row, and they continue to just kind of rip through everybody. A really good BYU team comes into the kennel. They beat them 92-69. to A couple weeks later, I think this was probably their guttiest win of the year. It's uh, They're at San Francisco. It's a Saturday. They just beat Santa Clara on a Thursday. They've only got six players in this game because... Killian Tilly's out, Anton Watson's out, so they're playing with six guys plus a you know two or three spot minutes from Martinez Orlowskis, and they come back from double digits down at San Francisco, a place that's always been hard for them to play, and they beat the Dons 83-79. to Phil Petrushev, 23 points on 8-14 shooting, 11 rebounds. Drew Timmy entered the starting lineup because of all the injuries. He had 19 points. On 6 of 11 shooting, 7 of 8 from the line, 
four rebounds, three assists, three blocks for Drew Timmy. Joel Yai, 12 points, four offensive rebounds, nine rebounds overall. Admon Gilder, 11 off the bench, 25 for 32 from the free throw line as a team. Gonzaga shot five total threes in the game. And I remember that being very notable at the time because I'm pretty sure five total threes attempted is probably the lowest in any game of the Mark Few era. They went four for five from deep. That's all they shot with five threes, and it didn't matter. That was enough to beat San Francisco, come back and beat them because they were so efficient inside the arc. 83-79, to Gonzaga wins again. A week later, one of the most fun games of the season, they go to St. Mary's and score 53 points in the first half in Moraga. They beat St. Mary's 90-60. to Drew Timmy with 20 points and 10 rebounds off the bench in that game. Killian Tilly returns, had 19 points. Philip Petrushev, 18 and 11. Gonzaga smacks the ever-living crap out of St. Mary's 90-60 to in Moraga. Of course, the only other loss that came that season was a game at BYU. Just an unbelievably physical basketball game. BYU was just chugging every single screen, every single cutter, uh, really, really physical with Gonzaga. And then, of course, they really helped themselves out from beyond the arc. 11 for 27 from the three-point line. Yoli Childs also could not be stopped. 28 points, uh, 10 rebounds on 12 of 19 shooting in just 29 minutes. Jake Toulson hit five threes. This BYU team was really, really good. I mean, BYU is probably going to be a five seed in the tournament, maybe a six seed because they lost to St. Mary's in the uh, WCC semifinals. But still, they were going to get three teams in the NCAA tournament. And BYU, I mean, that was a talented, talented roster that could have made some noise in the NCAA tournament. But like I said, they lost to St. Mary's, shockingly, in the WCC semifinals, 51-50. to Jordan Ford hit the game winner with about a second to go. St. Mary's holds TJ Hawes, 2 of 14 from the field. And despite only shooting 37%, As a team, St. Mary's is able to move on to the WCC Championship game where they again lose to Gonzaga. Another really good St. Mary's team that loses three times to Gonzaga, which seems to happen a lot over the last 15 years or so. If you remember the TV broadcast of this game, it was the Dickie V love affair of Drew Timmy. He was singing his praises the entire night. 17 points on 7 of 8 shooting, 3 rebounds, uh, and Drew Timmy was really the star of that game. But Joel Ayayi was the star of the tournament. He won the WCC Most Outstanding Player. 17 points, 7 rebounds, an assist, and 2 steals in the WCC title game. And then their semifinal game, a game that was very, very close against San Francisco. Uh, the Dons played the, the Zags really, really tough all three times this season. Gonzaga won that game by 4 points, 80, uh, 81-77. to 77. But in the semifinals, Joel Ayayi, 14 points, 9 rebounds, and then he followed that up with another great game in the championship. Wins the WCC tournament. Most outstanding player. Everybody thinks Gonzaga is going to get a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. The fans are enjoying themselves in Las Vegas. Julian Strother was at that game. He had just committed to Gonzaga a few months prior. So he was watching his future teammates play. Everybody was very excited for the NCAA tournament. COVID was a thing that people were talking about, but not necessarily taking it super seriously yet as a thing that could um, you know impact sporting events and everyday life and all that kind of stuff and then obviously 24 hours later Rudy Gobert tests positive and the entire world changes just like that 
The WCC tournament is the last tournament to finish. So Gonzaga was the last conference tournament champion crowned. They finished number one in the net rankings. Some fans like to take that as a default national championship. I don't know if Gonzaga wins the national championship this year. I think Kansas would have been very, very, very tough to beat this season. That They were clearly the best team. Uh, but Baylor was right there too. You could have very easily gotten a Gonzaga-Baylor championship game the season prior. Uh, but Gonzaga definitely was one of the top three or four uh, schools that could have won a national championship. They had six different players finish in double-figure scoring. Phil Petrushev led the way with 17.5 points and eight rebounds. Corey Kispert had his breakout junior season that we all expected, just under 14 points a game to go with four rebounds. Admon Gilder had some huge shots off the bench, especially at senior night against uh, St. Mary's. He had a few big shots in that game, but he finished the season 10.7 points. Joel Yai, 10.5 points, 6.3 rebounds, 3.2 assists. He broke the record this year for most rebounds by a guard in Gonzaga history. That was set by Nigel Williams-Goss. Ryan Woolridge became just the fifth player in the Mark Few era to average at least 10 points, four rebounds, and four assists in a season. He joined Nigel Williams-Goss, Matt Bolden, Blake Stepp, and Jeremy Pargo. And then, of course, Jalen Suggs became the sixth member of that club this past season. So a great season for Ryan Woolridge. And then Killian Tilly, when he was actually healthy, he uh, had 13.5 points and five rebounds. Drew Timmy off the bench, 9.8 points, 5.4 rebounds. And you knew he was due for a massive sophomore season. Of course, that's exactly what happened. It was their fourth straight season with 30-plus wins, with, of course, this past season making a fifth straight season with 30-plus. In those five seasons with 30-plus wins, Gonzaga is 80-3 and in the WCC. Even in this 19-20 season where the WCC was going to get three NCAA tournament teams, they still finish 15-1 and in the conference. Just a remarkably consistent basketball program year after year after year, and it's truly special to watch. Whether Gonzaga actually won the NCAA tournament or not, I think is irrelevant. I think what sucks the most is that Killian Tilly had this four-year career that was just so tumultuous, up and down, all over the place, and this was his time to be the leader for Gonzaga in an NCAA tournament. He had that ripped away from him in 2018. He was still battling injuries in 2019, but this was supposed to be his tournament. So for him not to get that, it sucks. For Ryan Woolridge, coming in from North Texas, coming to a school that he knows is going to make the NCAA tournament, for him not to get that experience sucks. Same thing for Admon Gilder, who came over here from Texas A&M. He'd obviously been to the Sweet 16 already as an Aggie, but still, he, he came to Gonzaga with a chance to make a deep run in the tournament, and he couldn't get that. It just sucks that this was the end of the Gonzaga careers for several different players. I mean, even Phil Petrushev went and played overseas the next year. He didn't really get to say uh, a goodbye to Gonzaga fans or have the, the ending that he wanted in a Gonzaga uniform. So the pandemic sucks for everybody and every every reason possible. But for a from a Gonzaga basketball perspective, um, it was the end of four different careers that deserved better endings. And most especially, above all, was Killian Tilly just because of everything that he went through for his four seasons in Spokane. Okay, that's enough for today's look back. Coming up, we're finishing the show talking about Kylie Griffin. She entered Gonzaga a couple years ago as a highly touted freshman, but she's missed three straight seasons with injuries now. Where does she stand entering this year? 
we will discuss to finish today's show. Before we do, a minute to talk about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. It is today's sponsor, and it is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate in all bars. Peanut butter brownie, salted caramel, cherry, strawberry, all sorts of flavors for you to try. If you're not sure what you want, get a mixed box of multiple flavors. All of them are soft, easy to chew, and absolutely delicious. Not only do they taste great, but they're healthy too. They're great for the health conscious guy, and also for anyone looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Most Built Bars have 17 grams of protein and just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. So go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at Built.com. Today's episode also being sponsored by Bet Online. It's that time of year again. Football teams, back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half million dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor contest, both open now at Bet Online. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Buccaneers and the Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25. For new customers, only when signing up and using the promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. From football, basketball, and boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. It's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo codes Locked On and NFL100. Many people may not know this, but Kylie Griffin came to Gonzaga in the fall of 2018 as one of the highest-rated prospects in Gonzaga women's history. Unfortunately, this is now our fourth season on campus, and we have yet to see her play in a single game. She redshirted her first year because of an injury. She missed the 1920 season because of another injury. And then she missed all of last season with yet another injury. So our path to playing time seems pretty simple. Be healthy. She was ranked 79th overall in the class of 2018. She was named the Washington State Player of the Year by the Seattle Star-Times. She averaged a whopping 21 points and 10.5 rebounds her senior season, and she set the school record by scoring 42 points in a game. In high school, she was just an incredibly dynamic wing scorer, and we've been robbed of seeing her talent because of injuries to both her foot and to her shoulder. And right now, it's hard to know where she would even slot in if she's healthy. We have no idea how much she has been able to develop her game over these last three years. If she's the same player as she was three years ago and she still has that same talent, I think she can certainly be another perimeter threat for Gonzaga because you can never have too many scoring threats on the perimeter. But there's also a chance that this could basically be like a freshman season for her where she has to grow, you know, go through all of these growing pains. But either way, I think for Kylie Griffin, for the coaching staff, for the fans, I think we would just all be thrilled if she was able to take the court at all because it has been a long, long journey and nobody, I'm sure, ever envisioned this happening to her in her career. I would say that seeing Kylie Griffin get on the court this year would be one of the best stories of the season and I really, really hope we get to see it and I hope she's able to excel in the minutes that she gets. Okay, that is going to do it for today's show. Tomorrow we will be back and we'll be finishing our two series that have been going through the month of August. I hope that 
you guys have enjoyed that. We'll look back one last time on the incredible 2021 Gonzaga Bulldogs who are one win away from perfection. We'll also finish our Path to Playing Time series with some words on both Peyton Muma and Callie Stokes, who are the final two freshmen in the women's class of 2021. Tomorrow's our final day of August before we move into some big picture stuff on Wednesday and Thursday, and then we're going to do a mailbag, I think, on Friday. Before we go today, if you're a baseball fan, betting on the MLB does not have to be a guessing game anymore. If you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and subscribe to this podcast. Please leave us a five-star rating. Follow me on Twitter at SCargo. Follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnZags. If you want to email the show, feel free to do so. It's LockedOnZags at gmail.com. Everybody enjoy your Monday. We will see you back here tomorrow morning. It is a great day to be a Zag.